Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is the 28th of September, 2013, and we are in uh, Magnolia Grove uh, Practice Center in the Rising Tide Meditation Hall. This is our fifth day of the retreat with the theme, Healing Oneself, Healing the World. Today we have a session of uh, question and answers. And uh, the teenagers and the young people are encouraged to come and ask uh, their questions first. And then there will be enough time for young adult and adult to ask their questions. We know that a good question can benefit many people. That is why we should ask uh, the real question, the question of our heart, a question that has to do with our uh, suffering, our happiness, our practice. There are a few questions already written down, and from time to time we shall read one of these questions. Those of us who have a question are invited to come and sit here around Thay. It's very beautiful from here. Sangha is beautiful. And they will take turn to sit on that chair so that everyone can see him or her before they ask the question. According to the tradition, before you ask a question, you listen to the bell and you breathe in and out three times. And everyone is breathing in and out with you. So please, those of us who have a question are invited to come up here and sit around. Hey. The very little ones are invited to follow their teachers and continue their learning and practice outside. Teenagers are encouraged to stay and ask a few questions.
Testing. question is, uh, how do you deal with depression? How do you deal with pressure? Pressure. Depression. Yeah, depression. We have learned we have learned in the last uh, four days that if uh, something happened, we have to be there in order to recognize it. So the first thing we do is to recognize the depression and say hello to it. Hello, my depression, I know you are there and you have to look deeply to see whether that is a real depression or not. A real depression is a, a kind of thing that can uh, take away our peace, our joy, our stability, and so on. Uh, recognize it and then look uh, into it. Uh, you should have uh, enough time to look into it, even to embrace it, and to find out why it has come to you. You may have been exposed to many things. The sound, the sight, the feelings and so on. You may have consumed in such a way that has brought that depression to you. And if possible, you can ask uh, someone to help you to do, to do, to do that. A teacher, a friend, a psychotherapist, and they will help you to look deeply into your depression, uh, to find out what kind of roots, what kind of uh, nutriment, what kind of uh, consumption, you have uh, used in order to, to feed it, to bring it to you. This is very important. This is practicing the first noble truth and the second noble truth. And when you have seen the cause, the causes, the roots of uh, the depression, the source of uh, food that uh, has brought the depression to you, and then you know what to do and what not to do. Maybe you have to change the environment. You have, you have to 
to change your way of consumption. Uh, you are you be surrounded by more positive uh, elements, people. And if you get a new source of nutriment, healthy, same, and then uh, you don't fit your depression anymore, it will have to go by itself. You don't have to chase it away. And that is what we have learned during the last many days. And you can do it by yourself, and you can rely on a friend, uh, a brother or sister in the practice to help you because she knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. It's a good question. Okay. My question is, how is it possible for humankind to achieve world peace? How is it possible for I know it's a little broad. The question is, how is it possible to achieve world peace? And uh, we know that uh, you have to start uh, from yourself. Uh, you, have, uh, you have to learn how to be peace. To, to bring peace to your body, your feelings, your perceptions, your way of thinking, your way of speaking. And if you know how to do it, you inspire other people to do it, and then there will be war peace. Like uh, if you have a lot of tension in your body, there's no peace in your body. There's a lot of pain in your body. There's no peace in your body. So you have to practice uh, uh, releasing the tension, reducing the pain, and you have more peace in your, in your body. And then when you have feelings that are not very peaceful, feelings and emotions of anger and fear, 
of violence. And then you know how to practice. Uh, breathing, calming, walking, and uh, calm down your feelings, your emotions, you have peace. And you have to learn in such a way, uh, to eat and to drink in such a way that you will not bring uh, uh, disturbances to your, your, your body. Uh, you have to read books, uh, read magazines, and uh, watch films in such a way that will not bring violence and anger and fear and despair into, into you. This is uh, the practice of peace. You have to be careful. You should not consume uh, the things that have uh, uh, war in it like an electronic game or a, um, a book, a film, may have a lot of violence, fear, anger, and they are not peace. And if you consume these things every day, there will be no peace in you, and there's no hope for the world. So you have to practice peace first uh, in order uh, to help the world to have peace. And that is why we always say, peace in oneself, peace in the world. Thank you. Just do it. <laughs> so, uh, dear Tay, uh, my question, my question to you is: uh, If one of my friends is depressed, how can I help him become undepressed? Bring him to a retreat. <laughs> Thank you.
Hi. <laughs> um, uh, my question is, I've had a friend who's had problem with his parents, and lately he's had suicidal thoughts, and so I don't know how to help him. The question is that uh, he has a friend who has problems with his parents, and lately that friend has been having suicidal thoughts, and he wants to know how he can help this friend. I think uh, I think uh, you should think about helping uh, uh, his uh, parents also. Uh, but you can begin with uh, your friend. And you tell them that uh, there are young people who are who have been in their very much in their situation, but who have been able to get out and help uh, their parents to transform. In fact, uh, there are many young people uh, coming to our retreats and they get transformation and healing. And when they go home, they were able to help their parents. In this case, it is uh, the young people who can help uh, the adults. And that has happened uh, many times in our retreats. In a retreat, people learn how to, how to breathe and calm the body, calm their feeling, calm their emotions, and look deeply into the suffering. And usually we think that uh, the suffering has been caused by the other person, other people, uh, or their parents. And they think that their parents are the causes of their suffering. They are very sure of that. But uh, looking deeply, you can see that our parents are also victims of their suffering. And, our, and the parents do not have a chance, have not had a chance to practice and transform. That is why they continue to be, to be the victim of their suffering. And that suffering might have come from their, their own parents. Their grandpa, uh, your, uh, our grandpa, our grandma, may have had a lot of suffering. And because they did not know the Dharma, the practice, they could not uh, transform that suffering. 
no one had helped them. No Dharma brother, Dharma sister had come to help them to recognize the suffering and to transform. That is why they have transmitted to their children. And their children continue the suffering and do not know how to practice and transform. So they transform, the, they transmit the suffering to their children. So this is kind of uh, uh, samsara uh, 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 the round of, of suffering. So if uh, the young person look deeply, they see that uh, their parents have a lot of suffering. And maybe they have suffered when they were uh, children. And uh, because they have not uh, had a chance to learn the Dharma and practice, that is why they cannot, they did not transform the suffering. And they continue to suffer and they continue to make their children suffer. When you begin to see that, you are not angry at your parents anymore. It's very wonderful. That is meditation. When you look into your parents and you see your parents have a lot of anger, a lot of um, unkind ways of speaking and doing, always imposing their ideas on you, always use violent means in order to, 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 to force their ideas on you. And then you can see that this is maybe something that had been transmitted to them by, by your grandpa, your grandma. And uh, they are not lucky enough. Now you are lucky because you have a chance to come to a retreat and you learn way to transform the suffering. And you make the vow that after I have transformed my suffering, I will go home and help my parents. And in fact, there are many young people who have been able to do that. Because when they go home after the retreat, they look so fresh, so, so lovely. And when the parents shouted them, they don't, they don't get angry anymore, and they smile. The parents were very surprised. And they see the transformation of their children. And when you, when you tell them what happened in the retreat, how many people uh, went through transformation and healing, and you wish that one day your parents will have a chance to come to a retreat also, they will listen to you because they have seen you transform. You see? And uh, many children have been able to persuade the parents to come to a retreat and get transformation and healing.
we have a lot of stories about that to tell you. Uh, may, in the past uh, 40 years, we have organized so many retreats, and we have seen many transformation and healing of the children, and they were able to help uh, uh, their parents. So you can talk to your friend about about this, and you can tell them, tell, tell him or her that if uh, he knows how to practice, he will come to understand the suffering of their parents, and they, and he will not suffer anymore when their parents behave in a brutal way. And uh, when they have transformed, they begin to change their parents and show the parents the way to, uh, to transform. I think a retreat of five or six days may be enough to transform their parents. And that has happened many times. So uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, Tell your friend about that and encourage him to, to practice. Transformation is possible. And uh, you don't need to die. Life is so beautiful. And uh, if you know the way of transformation and healing, and then maybe just in one week, you can restore your joy of living and uh, thought of uh, suicide will disappear. Okay. Hello. Um, I have a friend who can't control his anger, and he says things to his mother and other people, and he hurts a lot of people. And I want to know how I could help him control his anger. Respected Taide Sangha, this young man has a friend who has a lot of anger and he speaks things that are very hurtful to his mother and to many people. So how can this young friend help the other person to be less angry? Someone who is uh, very angry. That is because uh, the seat of anger in him or in her uh, has been watered a lot every day. Uh, he must have been in an environment where, where uh, people water the seat of anger a lot of time. So now he can get angry very easily. 
if he is surrounded by kind people who know how to water the seed of compassion and love in him, that will help him to to get a restore a balance between anger and loving kindness. So you can you can find out the good things in him, and you water you you just. You touch the good things in him. You congratulate the good things in him. And by doing so, uh, you create more energy of happiness and joy in him. And that will balance the anger, the violence in him. And then um, if your practice is good enough, strong enough, you can help him go further. You say that uh, next time when you talk to your mother, uh, I am sitting next to you. I hold your hand. And if uh, your mother says something that can trigger uh, anger and violence in you, I I will squeeze your hand. That is a bell of mindfulness. And when you, 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 you feel that I, you, I squeeze your hand, you know that you should not say anything. You should only breathe in and out three times. Don't say anything and try to smile. <laughs> and his mother will be very surprised. <laughs> and the first time... He did not get angry because someone is helping him not to react, just to breathe in and out three times to calm himself. And the effect is that after three in-breath and out-breath, he is himself. He does not lose himself and he is able to smile. That's a victory for him, for you, and for the mom. So, so uh, you, you play the role of bell of mindfulness. When someone is about to be angry, you, you invite the bell to sound. But this is not a real bell. This is only squeezing the hand. It's a kind of bell. That's mindfulness. Uh, mindful, squeezing, and he knows, he knows what you mean. You, you mean, don't say anything, my friend. Breathe in and out three times deeply and recognize your habit of getting angry. And then when you are calm, try to smile. Try that. Thank you. Now it's time for adult.
Um, my question to Selm is, what do you do when you're stuck between two paths in your life? What do you do when you are stuck between two paths in your life? To what? Path. Path? Yes. You have to choose, man. <laughs> this is about uh, making choice. Huh? You want to go this path, but you also want to go that the other path, right? You want to be a nun, and yet you want to have to be a mother. <laughs> you need to have the time to reflect and to see what is uh, what is your deepest aspiration. Because a person always has his or her deepest aspiration. What I want, what do I want to do with my life? Because uh, a, a person who does not have a strong, deep aspiration cannot be a happy person. So if uh, you have the time to sit quietly and you try to find out what, what is my deepest aspiration, can I realize my deepest aspiration if I take this path? Can I realize my deepest aspiration if I take the other path? And then you see, which path that you have to uh, to follow? It's like uh, Thay when they wrote uh, a rose for your pocket. Uh, if you want to be a monk, <coughs> because Thay wanted to be a monk when he was twelve, only. So at the age of 16, he decided to, uh, to leave the family, to leave his mother, and then to become a novice monk. And uh, you love your mother so much. Your mother is very sweet. And on one hand, you, you want to be with your mother, on the other hand, you want to be a monk. You have to choose. And finally, I took uh, the decision to become a monk. I had to sacrifice uh, uh, the good time I spent with my mother. So in life, you have to make a choice. And in order to make a good decision, you have to look deeply and to see whether if you tread 
this path, you can realize the deepest aspiration. And this is a good uh, criterion to make to, 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 to make decision. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. I'm wondering what the Buddhist perspective on mental illness is, specifically personality disorders, and how a practitioner in a family may um, heal herself and her family with this ongoing challenge. Respected Thayde Sangha, um, the question is that what is the Buddhist perspectives on mental illness, in particular uh, an illness with personality disorder, and um, how does the family help to deal with this problem when a person with personality disorder can fluctuate in moods or in personality? Sometimes like this and sometimes like that. How does the family help the person and also cope with that stress? Uh, many of us uh, have the seat of uh, of uh, depression, uh, mental illness in our in our cells, in our body. And uh, if you are put in a good environment, uh, these seeds will not uh, manifest. But we, if we put the person in a, another kind of environment, they will manifest as illness, not only the seed. So the, first of all, the family has to, has to look back to see how the atmosphere the environment provided by the family uh, has uh, helped water that sit in him or in her. The way we consume, the way we talk to each other, uh, plays some kind of role in helping that seat of illness, mental illness, to, to manifest. 
So that is not the problem of the of that person who is ill, but uh, the problem of all the family. We have to look back to see uh, how much responsible we are in helping that seed of illness to manifest. Because the environment turn on that energy of illness in a person. And if we change the environment, uh, 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 that illness will be turned off. So the problem is very much the environment. And then there are practices that help us to, 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 to go back to the stage uh, uh, when uh, the seed of uh, illness has not manifested. I think the, the, the collective energy generated by the environment is very important. And if you know how to put that person in a good environment where there is uh, the collective energy of peace and brotherhood and joy, and then that person will consume that kind of environment and get better and come back to normal. That is why uh, Sangha building is very important. Community building is so important. Uh, if in a group of people, 10 people, 20 people, 100 people, everyone knows how to breathe mindfully, work mindfully, generating the energy of joy and brotherhood and sisterhood, and then that environment is very good. It is very conducive to healing. And if we can put that uh, person in such an environment, that is the best thing to do. We may need some medication, but don't think of medication is uh, the most important thing. Good energy, good environment is the answer. Dear Thai, dear Sangha, dear Thai, thank you for being. The big fear that I struggle with is my fear of dying. 
How can one practice letting go of fear of dying? practice of meditation can help. If you look deeply, because to meditate means to look deeply. If you look deeply into yourself, you see that you are dying right here and right now. Death is taking place in every moment. You think that uh, you will die in a few years or 20 years or 30 years. That's not true. You are dying now. You have been dying all the time. And it's very pleasant to die. (laughs) Biologically speaking, there are many cells dying in, in the present moment. Thousands tens of thousands of them are dying. If they do not die, and then there is no chance for new cells to be born. So death is a very good thing. It's very crucial for, for birth. So you are undergoing birth and death in this very moment. Why? afraid of birth and death. Where there is a death, there is a birth. The death of a cloud means the birth of the rain. And we have learned that there is no real birth and death. It's only transformation. That kind of insight can help remove the fear. Now in this very moment, many Thousands of cells in your body are dying. You have to see that you are dying. And you are so busy, you don't have to organize time to organize funerals for them. <laughs> and then at the very same time, um, thousands and thousands of cells are born. And you don't have the time to... To, to sing happy birthday to them. <laughs> I don't know. So to think that one day you will die, that's not correct. You are dying now. And death is accompanied by birth always, like the left and the right. Death cannot be alone. Death has to interbeat with birth. So the death, the so-called death of a cloud is the so-called birth of the rain. Don't be afraid. To be a cloud floating in the sky is beautiful, but to be the rain falling on the ground is equally beautiful.
Dear Ty, dear Sangha, I was wondering if you could speak to us um, of love. What is the essence of true love? And how do we connect to that in us? True love is something that helps you to suffer less and help the other person to suffer less. True love is something that makes you happy and make the other person happy. True love is something that can help you to be to, to have freedom, more freedom. And in the teaching of the Buddha there are four elements of true love. The first is uh, Maitri, it means uh, loving kindness. Mighty has the power to offer happiness. When you are able to generate a feeling of joy and happiness to you, that's that's true love. Offer to yourself. And if you can generate a feeling of joy and happiness, and helping the other person generate a feeling of joy and happiness, that is uh, loving kindness, that is true love. So if you are a true lover, you can create happiness for you and for him, for her. And according to our teaching, it's not so difficult to create joy and happiness. Just breathe in and recognize the many conditions of happiness and joy that are already available. Generating joy, generating happiness for you and for the other person. The second element of true love is uh, compassion, karuna. That is the capacity to make yourself suffer less and help the other person suffer less. And we have learned that uh, there is an art of suffering. If we know how to suffer, we suffer much, much less. And uh, we can make good use of suffering in order to to fabricate uh, understanding and love. And you can help the other person to suffer less to transform suffering in her, in him. And that is the second element of true love, compassion, karuna. The Buddha is able to help people to suffer less. And his uh, compassion is great, called maha karuna, great compassion. And as we continue to practice, how karuna continues to grow. And one day it will be Maha Karuna. Maha Maitri and Maha Karuna. And then the third element of true love is a joy, mudita. If love does not generate joy, it's not love. If love makes the other purpose person cry every day, it's not love. 
If love makes you suffer every day, that's not true love. So true love is capable of generating joy for yourself and for the other person. And in the last four days, we have learned how to produce a feeling of joy. And the fourth element of true love is uh, upeksha, inclusiveness. In true love, you don't see any frontier between the one who loves and the one who is loved. It's like bowing to the Buddha, the one who bow and the one who is bowed to. Between them, there is no frontier. And that is why communication is perfect. So, in true love, your suffering is her suffering. Your happiness is her happiness. There is no individual suffering and happiness anymore. No discrimination. All inclusive is... uh, is um, the fourth element of true love, equanimity, that can be translated as um, inclusiveness. And you begin with yourself and the other person. But if you continue with this practice of true love, your heart will open, grow, and very soon you will include all of us in your love. You do not uh, exclude anyone, anything from, 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 from your love. That is the love of the Buddha, including every living being, not excluding anyone. No discrimination about uh, uh, race, uh, citizenship, religion, or anything. And that is uh, the element of non-discrimination. That is the element of inclusiveness. And that makes you very free, very happy, and make your love unlimited. And in true love, you continue to grow. Your love continues to grow until it it, uh, it embraces everyone in the cosmos. If the young people find it interesting, you may stay. Dear Thai, to raise awareness and stop the violence and war in the world, do you think that we as a Sangha could organize 
or should organize to even to the extent of using civil disobedience and acting act as a human shield to raise awareness and to stop the murder and the violence organize Respect the Thai Sangha, the question is that in order to uh, an effort to try to stop violence and war in the world, should uh, the Sangha organize to the extent of uh, civil disobedience to use our bodies as the human, human shield to help reduce the violence and war in the world? I think um, the best, better way is to set an example for people to follow. To set an example for people to follow. Uh, you create a, a community of peace, of uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, and your community uh, embody true peace, true brotherhood. You uh, consume in such a way that can uh, that can uh, protect the ecosystem. Uh, you speak in a way, you listen in a way that there will be no division and uh, anger in your community. Uh, you live simply and yet you are happy. I think these things are a very uh, drastic way of uh, peacemaking, making. Because you show them an example that uh, happiness is possible without uh, a lot of uh, money, a lot of uh, weapons, a lot of uh, of things that people think uh, to be crucial for their survival. Um, your community uh, embodies uh, good health, health uh, for yourself and health health for the world. Uh, you live in such a way that proved a future to be possible. You set an example. And then the other people come and observe your community and learn. They have been uh, running after fame, uh, power, uh, money, um, sensual pleasures, but they are not happy. These things may harm the body, the mind, and uh, environment, and create a lot of uh, anger and violence in society. So when they see the way you live, they wake up and they change. Change. And And uh, your way of, of, of life, your community, is a kind of Dhamma talk. 
to them. And then the, with uh, that such a community, you can you can um, practice uh, peace education. Uh, you can uh, go to many places and tell people in a very concrete way that there is a way to be happy and uh, and does not uh, need to cause violence and uh, anger and craving in the world. And uh, you have create uh, another community like that. And you have uh, create uh, dozens of communities like that. In fact, uh, in Plum Ridge, we are trying to do just that. You know, we begin with one uh, community of mindful living. And then we have setting up another one, another one, another one. And we organize uh, retreats and practice uh, centers. And people who come to us, they learn the way of peace. They learn the way of simple, uh, mindful living. And they go back and set up sanghas, group of people. And thousands of sanghas have been established by our practitioners. And that continue to, to spread. And uh, that way is entirely non-violent. Uh, you don't have to die uh, in order to, uh, to get the message across. We have to be alive in order to continue, you see. So you can go to pre- the prison and protest and things like that, but protesting is not the best way. Uh, even if you are very strong in your protest, uh, you cannot help them transform their fear, their anger, their craving. It's not by, it's not by protesting that we can remove the anger, the fear, the craving in them. It is by loving speech and deep listening and showing the way in a very nice way that can help them uh, wake up and uh, take up another way uh, rather than to follow the ancient way uh, full of violence and um, division and discrimination. So this is a real action, uh, not something uh, mm, mm, passive at all. So community building living according to the five mindfulness trainings, practicing mindful consumption, creating happy communities, families, and uh, help other people to do the same. I think that's the way to promote uh, world peace. Um, you, you learn how to love, uh, to, to write a love letter, rather and rather than a letter of protest. Suppose you write to your congressman, your president, and if you, you, you can only write a letter of protest, 
they will not change. But if you can write a letter of love, you say that, Dear Mr. President, Dear Mr. Senator, I know that you have a lot of difficulties, a lot of suffering. We know that. You want to realize your dream for your country, from your people, but you cannot do that. We understand. And we have something to suggest. And it, in your letter, you promote, you help him or her to recognize that there is a fear in him, anger in him, craving in him, and that prevent him from, from realizing his dream. And then when he read that letter, he can profit from your wisdom, your insight, and he transform. And if you only know how to write a letter of protest, that will not have the same effect. So learn to write a love letter and help someone understand himself and change. That is peaceful. Dear Thai, dear Sangha, um, this is very much related to the, the last um, sister's question. Um, I've had much suffering this week observing and participating with the consumption here at the Sangha. Um, many of the products that we have been using and, and eating um, are not of the highest integrity. Um, two of which I could mention would be the toilet paper, uh, no recycled content, so we've all been wiping our bums with fresh trees, which inevitably destroy habitat and animal life. Um, the other is the food, much of which is not organic. Um, one example um, of extreme concern being the bananas we've been eating. They come from a company called Chiquita. This is a company that's known to have um, been participating in genocide in Central America all the way up until 1988. These people that perpetrated this, these crimes were never brought to justice. They're still free. They're still wealthy and rich. Um, many of the products are bought from places like Walmart, which are known human rights abuses, especially in Southeast Asian countries where their manufacturing practices take place. And um, I have spoken with uh, many brothers and sisters about this this week, um, in particular um, the monastic in charge of doing purchasing. Uh, we spoke yesterday in brief about the subject. Um, my question springs from his answer. Um, when pressed on this, it was that the Sangha is limited in resources and limited in money um, and potentially limited in options to source these higher quality you know, ethical products, um, this is the most common answer given around the world, you know, for people. It's like, well, I can't afford to buy these things. I can't afford to, you know, eat this organic food or to support these local farms. 
Um, you know, we're clearly living in a time of, of economic warfare with, with manipulations of currencies and um, easy money flowing to these companies. So my question is, is that okay? You know, is the lack of money or resources or supply, where do we go? How do we get there? It's not exactly lack of money, but the lack of understanding and love. When we organize a retreat like this, something happened. Uh, no one eats meat and drink alcohol. In six six uh, six days in a row, that is something very positive. No one uh, try to insult or say uh, angry words to another person. That's something very good, very positive. Everyone is trying to uh, to restore peace in their body, in their feelings. That is very good. And if uh, we do like them, we have more peace, we have more loving kindness. As every is very easy to persuade them to change in small things, like a white paper toilet, toilet that 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 kind that is less uh, polluting. These things are very easy to to, to change. I have seen uh, ecologists who are very angry. Uh, there's a lot of pollution in them, anger, impatience, hate, violence. And they cannot serve the cause uh, of the environment by, by that kind of energies within, within them. So uh, the activist should uh, change himself first, should have a lot of understanding, uh, compassion, um, uh, the way of uh, speaking, the way of thinking, and then it becomes much easier for them to, uh, to help uh, rather than to demand and to criticize and so on. I think uh, we have to recognize um, that we are making uh, um, a lot of progress on the path. Uh, we have been uh, refraining from eating meat, using dairy products, not, uh, not eating eggs and uh, dairy products many, many years. And these kind of things are real uh, uh, progress. And um, in the community, as you know, no one of us has a bank account. No one has a private car. No one has a, a, a private home, and so on. And everyone is sharing. So that is uh, something very positive. You have to see these positive things. And the other things, now yeah, we can slowly uh, realize it's not difficult. The most difficult thing 
is to live happily as a Sangha. And if you have that, everything will happen. Everything positive will happen. So don't worry too much. Um, use your time and energy to build a happy Sangha with brotherhood and sisterhood. Dear Thai, dear community, you spoke about if we live in a toxic environment or something we think is bad for our soul or spirit, we should leave. I live perhaps, uh, I live in Israel, in the West Bank, in the ground, in everybody's mind, in my family's mind, my children's mind, there's a lot of suffering a lot of anger, a lot of hostility, a lot of racial memories. The Jewish people remember things from thousands of years. I have no idea how to take myself away from a collective unconscious, from my children and my grandchildren, from my home, from a place that I feel isn't good for me. My question is how can we remove ourselves from a toxic environment, when in that environment we have bred children, grandchildren, our friends are there, our work is there, our ancestors are there. We can uh, contribute to the work of changing the environment. And we can also uh, come together and create a kind of island um, that is uh, safe, safer, and healthier to protect ourselves in the case we cannot uh, uh, pull out. You know, in Plum Village, uh, in the past, we have uh, sponsored many groups of Palestinians and Israelis to come and practice with us. And we have learned a lot from, from that. Every time uh, two groups come, we notice that they they could not look at each other because each group has a lot of anger, fear, and suspicion. And it's not pleasant to look at the other group because you believe that your suffering has been created by the other group. You are only the, the only victim and they are the one who, who goes your suffering. 
So that is the thinking, that is the feeling. A lot of anger and fear. And, uh, and uh, suspicion. So, may, uh, so during the first week of the practice, uh, we help them, both group. They, are, they don't stay together in one place. And uh, the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, to calm down, and to learn how to look at this, that suffering, that anger, that fear. And then the practice of uh, touching the wonders of life in nature, uh, because uh, there are many of us coming from many countries, and together we can create an atmosphere of brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, which is very pleasant to be in. So during the first week, uh, both groups uh, profit from that kind of environment. We eat together, we work together, we uh, share together our learning, our practice. And the second uh, week, we begin the practice of uh, deep listening and loving speech. One of the two groups is invited to, to speak and they are encouraged to tell everything in their heart, all kind of suffering that they have gone through on their side. When the Palestinians speak, and then the Israeli just listen. And you who speak, you are encouraged to use the kind of language that can help the other side to to understand if uh, they storm so much accusation and blames and anger, the other side will not be able to listen to you. So try to use a kind of language that uh, help the other side to understand the suffering on your side. You must tell them every kind of suffering that your suffering, that your children and your adult um, have gone through. Tell them everything, but please do not accuse, do not blame, do not use, uh, do, do not be bitter. And that will help them, because uh, the purpose of speaking is to help the other side to understand. Understand here means understand the suffering on this side. And on, on the other side, who listen, we recommend that they listen with compassion. Listen, listening like this, I have, we have only one purpose, to allow the machines to speak out, to empty their heart and suffer less, because we know that they, they also suffer. So that is called a compassionate listening. You listen with only one purpose, to help them to speak out, to empty their heart so that they can suffer less. And that is why during the time you listen, you should not react. Just listen. Stop your thinking. Just listen. Even if they 
they say wrong things. They have a lot of wrong perceptions. Their perceptions do not correspond with reality. You still continue to listen and do not interrupt them and correct them. Because if you do, you transform the session into a debate that will ruin everything. You have to practice mindful breathing. And uh, maintain the mindfulness of compassion alive in you. We are listening to them with only one purpose, help them to suffer less. And that is enough for you to be protected. You are protected by the energy of compassion. That is why what they say do not, does not trigger irritation and anger in you because you are protected by, protected by compassion. Mindfulness and compassion. Just remember one thing. I listen with only one purpose. Help him, helping him to suffer less. And you can listen for one hour without anger or irritation. That is the practice of a bodhisattva. Bodhisattva of deep listening, compassionate listening. Even if they have uh, a lot of wrong perceptions, I will not interrupt them. I allow them a chance to suffer less. There will be a few more weeks together. Even three or four days later, we might offer them some information for them to correct their perceptions, but not now. Now is only listen. So when you listen like that, for the first time you, you see that on the other side, they, they are human beings like you, and they have suffered exactly the kind of suffering that you have suffered on your side. Very much the same. Bombs, bullets, mortars, the death of children, death of adults, house burned and so on, despair and so on. So for the first time, you see the suffering, you understand the suffering, because you have suffered very much the same kind of suffering. The first time you see that they are victims like you. You are not the only victim of the conflict. And uh, suddenly you are capable of looking at them in a different way. Because you have seen the suffering, you have understood the suffering, suddenly there is uh, compassion in your eyes. And when you look at them with compassion, you don't suffer anymore. It's a miracle. And you don't want to punish them anymore. And you wish that they will not have to suffer like that in the future. It means that listening like that allows compassion to be born in your heart. You suffer less 
when you listen, when you understand the suffering on the other side, and you know that you have your, your strength to tell them also about your suffering so that you can help transform them. They will not be angry at you. They will not be uh, fearful of you anymore. They will, have, they will be able to remove their wrong perceptions about you. So that is the practice of deep listening, compassionate listening and loving speech that, um, that, uh, that uh, they practice uh, beginning the second week. And many of us, coming from many countries, we sit with them and we offer our energy, collective energy uh, for them. And the healing takes place. People feel differently, look differently, uh, listen differently, and slowly they come together and eat together, and they can hold hands to do walking meditation together. And they create a new kind of energy. And in the, <coughs> at the end of the retreat, they always uh, come together as one group and report to the whole Sangha about the progress they have made. And be, before leaving Plum Ridge, they always promise that once they go back to the Middle East, they will come together, organize that kind of practice so that other people can come and practice and suffer less. So it is very possible that a number of us come together, create that kind of uh, island of peace and understanding, and that island can grow. Uh, This is what uh, many of our friends are trying to do in the Middle East. And our Dharma teachers uh, go there from time to time to offer a retreat. And if we can uh, do it on a larger scale, uh, and then I think that there will be more hope. If they organize um, if uh, President Obama knows how to organize a peace negotiation, he will give uh, both sides enough time to come down, to do sitting, walking, breathing, to come down first before, before they negotiate. You cannot negotiate peace if you are still full of anger, fear, and suspicion. And that is what uh, we do in Plum Village, helping them to calm down first, to see each other as human beings who have suffered like us before we begin uh, listening to each other and talk. So uh, let us not uh, give up our hope. Let us not allow despair to overwhelm us. There is a way. And many of us... uh, in many countries are willing to support you uh, in this uh, uh, attempt to create more mutual understanding as the foundation of true peace. One written question.
Dear Thầy, Dear Sangha, I would like to offer walking meditation at my wellness center. Do you think I am qualified? And if so, what would be your main recommendations for leading that practice? I think that if you enjoy walking meditation and if you get joy and uh, peace and happiness, and then you are qualified. You don't need a <laughs> you don't need a certificate from us. Dear Thai, dear Sangha, this week we've learned how to heal ourselves and thus heal the world. Um, we've also learned in healing ourselves we need a Sangha, a community, to, to do so. Um, in our world, we've also tried to create Sanghas to promote the well-being of our countries and our societies. We, we call them government. Um, but often with good intentions, the Sanghas have also created practices and environments that have caused much suffering as well. So my question is, how do the practices of our Sangha, of, of this Sangha, influences the practice of the Sanghas that we've created of our society so that they may promote more healing and less suffering? Respected Thay, dear Sangha, um, during this retreat we learn how to heal ourselves, to heal the world, and one of the elements is to build Sangha in the world, but sometimes the sanghas that we build also cause suffering. So how do we help those uh, local sanghas to develop in such a way that they can help and not cause more suffering? And, and government, and, and how do we help to, uh, the government to form, to become a sangha? In fact, uh, our family can be a Sangha and uh, our classroom can be a Sangha. So parents and teachers have to learn how to build a Sangha from their own family and their own uh, classroom, class. And our Dharma teachers have been uh, training parents and school teachers in many countries. We have trained thousands of school teachers in many countries, including India. And, uh, and these uh, school teachers are bringing into the classroom the practice of calming the body, calming the feelings, and so on, loving speech, and so on. They learn to listen to each other's students and 
teachers understanding the suffering of each other and improve the quality of learning and teaching. Um, you are motivated by the desire to build a Sangha. And building a Sangha, you have to learn. The Buddha was an excellent uh, Sangha builder. It's not easy. You have to be very patient. You have to get a lot of uh, compassion and, and patience. You have to practice uh, loving speech and deep listening. And you can bring people together, you can reconcile uh, people. And then uh, we in Plum Village, we are in our practice centers like uh, Magnolia, Grove, Brookleaf, uh, uh, Deer Park, we live as a Sangha. And we practice and we serve as a Sangha. So we have learned a lot about Sangha building. We have even uh, offered books on Sangha building. The Sangha of the Buddha was also difficult to build. And the Buddha um, put a lot of energy and time into building his Sangha. Without the Sangha, a Buddha cannot do much. The career of a Buddha depends on the Sangha. So I myself have learned a lot in Sangha building. And you need to give you enough time, space, and people in your Sangha enough time, space to transform, to come together. Uh, uh, the, the five uh, mindfulness training, if uh, practiced diligently, and then uh, it's easy, it's much easier to build a Sangha. Like uh, the fourth uh, mindfulness training is about um, deep listening and loving speech. And that is very crucial in building a good Sangha. The third is uh, true love. The second is true happiness. And in Plum Village, we try to do it every day, building brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, joy and happiness without consuming a lot and so on. The Parliament, the Congress, can be a Sangha. One day I uh, talked to Mr. Narayan, who was uh, president of the Indian National Assembly. And uh, we talked about uh, difficulties in uh, conducting a session in the parliament. 
Many people are angry; they don't listen to each other. And the atmosphere in the parliament sometimes is very hot. No one is listening to anyone, and and so on. In the monastic sangha p l o n g l e we sit down and listen to each other. We try our best to combine um, experiences and insight to come to a collective insight, consensus. So I propose to the Mr. Narayan that um, <laughs> that beginning each each uh, session we should uh, read a kind of uh, meditation like. Uh, Dear colleagues, we have been elected by our people to be here and to combine our insight, experience, and knowledge in making the kind of law that can help uh, the country to be more peaceful, to be pros, to have more prosperity, and so on. So let us listen to each other and using the kind of speech. That can help other people to receive your uh, your point of view. Uh, so, bringing that uh, the fourth uh, mindfulness training into the Congress, and he agrees. He said that that is very needed. Listening to each other with compassion and using loving speech, not shouting too much. And then the second thing I propose is. Uh, When the chairperson noticed that the atmosphere in the Congress is so heavy, so oppressive, so hot, then he has the right to invite the bell mindfulness, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone is invited to breathe in and out until calm is reestablished before the person continues his speech. He was very excited about that. Unfortunately, <laughs> one month later, also he was elected as president of India. So he he, he could not realize his dream uh, in uh, in in making uh, the the parliament into a sun. In fact, he tried. It was after I left him. I go to Mumbai. And uh, lead a retreat, and someone one day brought uh, a, a daily paper to me, and in that paper they announced that the president of the Congress has set up a committee uh, taking care of the ethics aspect, ethical aspect of the, the life of the Congress. He asked the former Prime Minister to be head of that uh, committee. And uh, he, he really tried to build a sangha out of it. Yeah. I think if uh, President Obama has a nice sangha behind him, yeah, he will be able to realize his dream. Uh, when I met uh, Martin Luther King in the 60s, we discussed about sangha. He did not use the word sangha, but he used the word uh, beloved community. 
And we both agree that without a community, a loving community, we cannot realize our dream. But not long after that, he was assassinated. For myself, I had the chance to continue Sangha building. And uh, my Sangha, I was, a, uh, I was not allowed to go home in 40 years. And I had to uh, continue to be here building a Sangha. And now my Sangha is composed of uh, monastics and lay practitioners. We have many Dharma teachers, both monastic and, and, Dharma teacher, uh, and lay Dharma teachers. And here is my Sangha, you are my Sangha. I take refuge in you all. Thank you, dear friends. Now time for us to take a break and then uh, we shall gather there in order to begin our uh, walking meditation. <laughs>